good. Well, friends, good morning. Hey, and welcome to Aldersgate United Methodist Church. Uh, we like to say here we're a place of warm hearts and active hands. Uh, we are so glad that you are here today. If this is your uh, first time uh, with us, a special warm welcome to you. Uh, and if you're tuning in on the live stream, hey, we're so glad that you are with us as well. Uh, it is good to be together on a beautiful fall day to worship God together in community, uh, to remember who we belong to, friends. This is the love of Christ that welcomes us all, no matter how we come today to this place. So we hope you'll feel the love of God uh, warming your hearts and then sending you out of this place to be the active hands of Christ in the world. Uh, as we settle into the space today, I want to lift up just a few announcements for the good of our common life together. Tonight is our Trunk or Treat event, uh, so I encourage all of you, come and be part of the fun. Uh, my encouragement to you is that you are never too old to uh, trick or treat, so if you come by my car, I'll give you candy, no matter if you're in costume or not, okay? Um, there's also a lot of other fun things going on, so even if you're not into candy, uh, come and be part of the fun. Uh, we expect well over a thousand people to come through tonight. This is a big uh, community outreach event. Uh, folks who have never even been to our church before will come to uh, Trunk or Treat. So, so as you come, make the space warm and hospitable. Uh, this is important. Uh, I also want you to know uh, we are selling t-shirts and polos again today if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. Uh, the profits for all those go to supporting Project Laundry, a nonprofit here in town. Uh, they'll also be for sale tonight at the Trunk or Treat. Uh, I do want to make mention also in the bulletin, it says that this Wednesday night uh, we're having the guest and new member uh, welcome class. Uh, typically we do this on the first Wednesday of the month for anybody who is uh, newer to the Aldersgate uh, community who wants to learn more about what becoming a member looks like. However, after we printed the bulletins, we realized that this Wednesday night all the pastors are busy with other groups. So um, we're going to cancel it for this month, uh, but we will have it next month in November, the first Wednesday of the month. Uh, but if you are a, a new person here and want to be more connected, come to one of the classes. Um, if you want to join the confirmation class with Pastor Maria, you can do that. Uh, Pastor Gary uh, is doing his class on everything you want to know about United Methodism, and I'll be uh, teaching a class on the book of Ecclesiastes down in the uh, Fellowship Hall uh, for those of us who want to seek wisdom when life doesn't make sense. So lots of good things going on for you to plug into. Uh, there's a lot of other announcements here in the bulletin, uh, but of course you can uh, read those at your leisure, and I hope you will. Uh, but as we settle into the space, may you know that you are welcome. Uh, Christ welcomes you here, and we're glad to be together. Let us take some time to uh, greet one another with signs of hospitality and love. If there's somebody that you don't know, ask them their name and tell them yours.
Let us join in a call to worship. All that we are is a gift from God. Our All that we have is a gift from God. All that we seek is a gift from God. Let us worship God who gives us every good gift. Let us sing together, give thanks.
please join me in the invocation. Holy God, open our hearts this morning to a fuller awareness of your presence. Remove any barrier that may hinder the worship and increase in us a desire to be transformed by a gracious Lord. Help us to discern the ways you are calling us to grow and grant us the faith to step forward in our commitment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, we are continuing our stewardship campaign on the gifts of giving. And today, we're focusing on the gift of generosity. One of the things that we're doing as part of this campaign is we're inviting members of the congregation to come up and share a personal testimony about how financial giving is an important part of their faith practice. Uh, this is a meaningful way for us to hear from people uh, who are among us how uh, giving is a transformative practice. And so today I'm very pleased to uh, welcome Dave and Deb Hammond. Uh, Dave and Deb have been longtime members of Aldersgate, uh, and they have uh, taught uh, classes on faith and uh, finance multiple times. Uh, so not only do they have wisdom to share with us from those experiences, uh, but I can tell you that their uh, faithfulness uh, is a personal inspiration to me. So I know, because uh, I've already heard it twice today, uh, that you will be blessed by what they have to say. And if I can offer any encouragement to you, if there's one thing that you hear today, let it be this. Dave and Deb, welcome. Good morning. For us, giving started with learning to be generous. A generous giver is one who gives with a joyful attitude and a compassionate heart. While Deb and I give to the church to show gratitude for all that God has provided for us, it didn't start out that way. When we first got married and joined Aldersgate, we both understood that by joining a church, we were called to commit um, to our church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. But how are we going to put that into practice? While we knew we were supposed to give with a joyful heart, joyful giving wasn't always getting the check into the offering plate as it passed by us each Sunday. Sometimes there were other things that seemed more joyful that got in the way of giving to the church. What we really felt like we needed to do after we talked about this was to create a habit of supporting Aldersgate. About 25 to 30 years ago, we took a class called Crown Ministries here at Aldersgate. What we remember the most about the class was memorizing the many verses in the Bible that related to money. That was no easy task. And I remember our oldest son, who was about five at the time, helping me in the back seat of the car. Dad, that wasn't right. It's this way. <laughs> we had to recite the uh, verses each week for the class, so we worked at it diligently so as not to embarrass ourselves. This class had an impact on us and set us up for a better practice with managing money, including giving back to God. We learned how giving should be a priority. We learned we needed to be disciplined in our giving by committing our income off the top, not giving from what was left over. We learned to make a conscious decision about our giving and stick to it. Through the years, we attended Bible studies, and in many, the subject of giving was often discussed. It was a good reminder of the practice of giving. 
More recently, we have led Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey's Leaving a Legacy, and currently leading the Saving Grace Bible Study based on Wesleyan theology. In each of these studies, their messages are similar. Give first and learn to live off the rest. By participating in these classes over and over, we continue to be reminded of the importance of giving with a joyful heart. Through the years, the discipline giving changed us to giving that stems from being made in God's image. Because we are made in God's image, we are the happiest and most fulfilled when we are giving and serving with a joyful heart. Along with our giving journey, we made commitments to the church each year and did our best to, make, to meet those commitments. Honestly, what helped us the most in our discipline of giving to Aldersgate is electronic giving, either through the church or through our local bank. It was the easiest way for us to give first. As we participated in or led these classes on managing money, a few points have stood out to us along the way um, about giving and our relationship with money. So first off, all we have, including our bank accounts, belongs to God. They are not ours because everything belongs to God. This can be a tough one to swallow, especially when your workday hasn't gone very well or you, or you were stressed at work. Um, God asks us to be stewards or trustees of the money and the assets in our care. Again, these assets are not ours. Every worksheet that we used in every different class, uh, financial class that we've participated in, uh, the worksheets always start off with giving at the top. God gives us various resources and talents, and these are part of how God's work is done on earth. A part of financial peace happens when you learn to manage money with an open hand. The open hand represents giving. God wants us to lean on him for our security, not on our bank accounts. Giving breaks the hold money can have over us, and giving makes us less selfish. Last week, while we were working on the Saving Grace lesson and thinking about doing this this morning, the following was part of our lesson for the week and really sums up our giving journey. <clears throat> when Christians develop the practice of giving, they usually find that their lives open up to experience a more abundant life. Giving may spring from gratitude, but it also seems to grow a more grateful heart. It's not only that we enjoy seeing the good that our giving can do, but that we see more good in the world and in our lives. Giving has changed us. For us, when we open our hands and give to God, we express thanks for his goodness, create blessings for others, and in turn, we have been blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Dave and Deb, for your testimony and for sharing your faith uh, with us uh, and for reminding us that uh, financial giving sometimes requires an intentional commitment. Uh, we're going to be talking more about that in just a few moments. Uh, at this time, I would invite the, the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's offering. If you do choose to give online, they did uh, talk about this too, but those uh, red cards in the pew pockets, those are for you uh, to put in the plate as a sign of your gift if you choose to give that way.
You may be seated, except for the kids who we would invite to come up at this time for our time with young disciples. Good morning. How are we on this beautiful day? Ooh, Isaac, good to see you. Hey, we're going to be talking about some fun stuff today. We're going to be talking about money, gifts. Absolutely. Now, what I got here is the offering plate, and I took out the uh, checks, or at least most of them, but so we just have some cash in here. Um, now, does anybody know what this thing is called that I have in my hand? It could, could be called a bowl, yes. We have a fancier word for it, though. Right, there's felt in the bottom. You probably wouldn't want to put soup in there. Um, it would stain. Yes, does anybody want to take a guess at what we call this fancy gold bowl? We call it the offering plate. Can you say that with me? The offering plate? Yes. Now, you probably noticed we pass this through the pews each and every uh, uh, Sunday, right? This probably goes right past you, right? Now, does anybody want to take a guess at why we pass the offering plate each week? Because uh, there's people out there that don't have mom and dad, and some are really poor, so they need to, like, give things to each other. Yes. That is right, Isaac. Some people don't have moms and dads, and some people are poor, and God calls us to give part of what we have back to them. You can preach the sermon today, man. <laughs> wow. Anybody else want to take a stab? Emily? Yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We, so we, we pass the plate because people out there have gifts that they have and they want to give them uh, both to people who are poor and need help, but, but also it's a way that we give back to God. Uh, one of the things that we try to remember is that God is really good to us um, and, and, and God gives us what, what we need. God heals us. God restores us. And so when the plate comes and, you know, you put in some uh, cash or some uh, money, it is a way to kind of say thank you to God, right? Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was your age, I didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't really putting money in the offering plate. Uh, but you can still be thankful for everything that God does for you. So what we're going to do today is we're going to add to the offering plate, and we're going to say thank you to God. And what I have here is I have some index cards, just a little piece of paper here. And what I want to encourage you to do is that any time that the offering plate comes past you in the pew, you can always put a little note of gratitude, a note of thanks in the plate as a way to uh, tell God what you want to say. And adults, you can do this too. There's uh, paper in the pews, there's pens, so you can always feel free. Write a little note to God of gratitude, put that in the plate. God honors that and loves that when we express our gratitude 
Okay, so, and I, I do have just a couple pens. So what I want us to do is um, take just a moment. You can write whatever you want on your card. Say whatever you want to say to God. Um, Maria, do we have more pens? Yeah, here's one. Yeah, somebody wants to use that. Yeah, oh, wow, beautiful. Yes, we got markers. So take just a moment and write whatever you want to say to God on that card. And while you do that, I'm going to tell you what the kids at the 8 o'clock service put. So uh, one person wrote, I love you, God, and he put that in the offering plate. Somebody else wrote, God, thank you for giving us life. We love you. Those were some beautiful words of gratitude, and he put that in the offering plate. Someone else just put, thank you, God, and put that in the offering plate. So just take a moment and write whatever you want, and then when you're done, you can just put it in the offering plate, and that can be one of the ways that we offer our gratitude back to God. Thank you, Emily. Oh, Lori, and that's awesome. I love you, God. That's a wonderful word of gratitude. Put, put that in the offering plate. And Bill, you can do this too in the uh, weeks to come. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Oh, there you go. Yep, just put it in the plate when you're done. Just like that. Just like the adults put money and checks. All right. Does everybody have theirs in? Isaac's is almost there. All right. I, I love God. Mm, beautiful. I love it, guys. Okay, so I hope you will re remember this, and when the offering plate comes by, uh, maybe consider writing a note of thanks to God and putting it in the plate, and God will honor that, okay? So what I want us to do is to all come close, and we're going to put a hand on the, the offering plate, and we're going to say a prayer together to bless the offering and our words of gratitude. So if you want to come close, and yeah, I'll take the pen back. That's my very nice fancy pen. I want that. <laughs> All right. So go ahead, uh, put a hand on the plate, if you will. If you can come in. Yes, we all, there's room for all. And I'll invite you to say these words after me, and we'll have the adults help us too. Thank you, God, for these gifts. And all that you do for us, help us to live lives of gratitude, to say thank you with our gifts and our lives. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for being here today. I'm going to put this up on the altar. Good to see you, brother. You had a wonderful answer. That was so cool. Today's Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, from verse 19 to 22. When you reap your harvest in the field, and forget to shave the field, you shall not go back to get it. 
it shall be left for the aliens, the orphan, and the widows, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertaking. When you beat your olive trees, do not strip what's left. It shall be for the aliens, the orphan, and the widow. When you get, gather, gather up the grapes from your vineyard, do not claim what is left. It shall be for the aliens, the orphan, and the widows. Remember that you too were slaves in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. These are the words of God. Our New Testament scripture this morning is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Uh, I will be reading chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, and then 11 through 12. This is the word of God. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Maria, and thank you, Steve, for being our liturgist this morning. Let us join our hearts in a moment of prayer. Gracious and most generous God, and may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here out of love for you be pleasing in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. If you were to meet Jan Chenard, my guess is you probably wouldn't think much of him at first. Jan drives an old beat-up Subaru car. He wears tattered clothes. He's a little rough around the edges. His elderly face is weather-worn from being outside in the garden for decades. And his face is usually unshaven. Yes, if you were to meet Jan, you probably wouldn't think too much of him at first. Jan, in fact, uh, he doesn't even own a cell phone or a computer. You might think he's living in the dark ages. But what you probably wouldn't guess about Jan, and what would surprise you the most, is that he was the owner of a $3 billion company. Jan uh, was the owner of Patagonia, and if you've heard of uh, Patagonia, or if you haven't heard, uh, they're one of the largest outdoor clothing companies 
around. Uh, Jan founded this uh, business with his family over 50 years ago and grew it into one of the, the largest brands in the uh, industry. In fact, if you go to the uh, REI store over near K96 and uh, Greenwich and you go inside, which I do from time to time just to walk around, it's a beautiful store, you should go. You will see the store is filled with Patagonia clothes. You wouldn't expect it when you first see him because he's a man of humility and a man who doesn't flaunt his wealth. But one of the most surprising things about Jan, if you maybe saw this on the news a few months ago, is that back in September, he broke every rule of business and finance when he gave away the entire $3 billion company. At the age of 83 years old, after building the company for 50 years, Jan transferred the entire ownership of Patagonia, all $3 billion worth, to a trust and a newly formed nonprofit that will ensure that 100% of the profits from the company, about $100 million a year, goes directly to supporting sustainability projects to protect the earth and endangered habitats. Now, for the entire time that uh, Jan has owned the company, he always gave 1% of the proceeds to these projects, but now in his old age, he decided to just give away the whole thing in an act of generosity that, as far as I'm concerned, is unprecedented. I have never heard of somebody giving away an entire company. You sometimes hear about people who are super wealthy, making large and uh, generous gifts. This is not that uncommon, but sometimes you wonder if they're doing it for the tax break or not. Uh, but if you look at how Jan did this, actually, uh, he didn't get any tax benefit from this at all. In fact, him and his family had to pay over $17 million in gift tax when he made this transaction. And he did it because he wanted to give away his whole company. In a tweet that he made when uh, this happened back in September, he said, uh, our only shareholder now is the earth. And for generations to come, Patagonia's profits will go exclusively to taking care of the earth. This morning, we're continuing our stewardship series by talking about generosity. And boy, wouldn't it be easy to be generous if we all just had a $3 billion company that we could give away. We wouldn't have to talk about money ever again. But as far as I'm aware, none of us in the room are Jan Chouinard or have a $3 billion company. If you do, let's talk after the service. Um, no, we live in a world where interest rates are high, inflation is higher, and our money just doesn't really seem to be going quite as far as it used to. Has anybody else been experiencing this in the last few months? Is it just me? Okay, amen. Thank you. Talking about money in church sometimes is difficult, especially when we are talking about generosity, because sometimes it can feel like generosity is just another ask. Another ask to give more when things already feel tight enough as it is. But when we're talking about generosity today, what I want to suggest to us is that it is not about how much we give necessarily. God doesn't require us to give uh, a $3 billion company in order to cultivate the gift of 
generosity. I think Dave and Deb had it exactly right in their testimony. What it does require is making an intentional and conscious choice to be generous with what we have and to give part of it back to the transforming work of God. To do what Jan did. Break all of the conventional rules and say, I'm going to choose to be generous. If you look in uh, the Bible, you'll see that the idea of generosity is deeply scriptural. All the way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, God taught the ancient Israelite people that part of what they had, part of their resources, should always be reserved for the most vulnerable among them. And in the passage that Stephen read for us, we we see that God commanded the Israelites to leave whatever they missed on the first pass when they were harvesting their fields, their orchards, and vineyards. God told them that these leftovers, the produce that was missed, that was to be left for the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners, the least among them. And in this way, God instilled within that ancient community all the way back in the beginning that generosity ought to be part of how we engage with the world. Generosity is part of what it means to be the people of God. Because in God's economy, things operate by a different set of rules. The resources and the wealth we have are not just things to make us richer or to give us that sense of security. In God's economy, the resources we have are one of the means through which we participate in what God is doing in the world. Our resources, our wealth, is part of how we partner with God's activity to care for the poor, to uplift the oppressed, to set the liberty at Uh, to set at liberty the captives, to be a part of what God is blessing in the world. This has always been a part of the DNA of God's people. But as I was looking closely at this passage from Deuteronomy and spending some time with it, the thing that I noticed and the thing that I want to lift up for us today is that this early command to be generous is actually a little bit passive. It actually doesn't require that much. For in that passage that we read, all that God really requires is that they leave the leftovers, the extras, the stuff that they don't need, because if they did, they would have gotten it on the first pass. God doesn't ask the early uh, Israelite community to make much of an active effort to devote their resources to the poor, just that they don't go back and glean the few extra grapes that they missed on the first pass. And sure, this is generous and it takes care of the poor and the orphans and the widows, but it seems to me to be kind of a passive generosity. It doesn't actually ask that much of us. And I think this kind of passive generosity can be quite common. It is easy for us to give back to God whatever is left over. Whatever happens to be in our pockets or our wallets or whatever happens to be on the margins at the end of the week or the end of the month. 
we might give a few extra dollars here and there or, or, or when there's something to give, but when we do this, it's not really part of an intentional faith practice. It's just giving whatever's left over. Now, I remember this is how I gave for a, for a, a very, very long time. I remember when I was a kid uh, growing up in church and the plate would pass by every single week. And at times, on particular days when I was feeling more generous than usual, I would dig into my pockets and see if I had anything to give. And sometimes I would and sometimes I would not, but most of the time it would be like maybe 50 cents, maybe a dollar if I had something. Until that one time I was in high school, I remember, I reached into my wallet and I forgot I had a $100 bill in there. <laughs> um, I won't tell you what I decided to do with that. <laughs> I'll let you decide. But I remember it was kind of this passive practice. My offering, my, my practice of giving, if it would be anything at all, would really just be whatever I had left over or whatever I happened to have in my pocket at the time. Now, I don't want to disparage this kind of giving. It is, after all, a biblical model for stewardship. And, and for that season of my life, that was a faithful practice to cultivate the habit of generosity. But what I hope we hear today, and what I think is true, is that God invites us to more than merely passive generosity. God calls us to give, not only from our leftovers, but from an intentional choice to contribute and participate in what God is doing to transform the world. Friends, God calls us to a financial stewardship as part of a discipline, as a, as a part of our faith practice, as part of how we are choosing to grow in grace and invite God's transforming love into our hearts to make us into more grateful and generous people. I really think if we want to become more generous, you, you don't wait for it to happen, but you practice it. You make the choice to give from what you have, and God, in a mysterious but powerful way, works through that intentionality to truly transform our hearts. I like what Paul says to the church in Corinth uh, in 2 Corinthians. This is the passage that Pastor, Mar Pastor Maria read. And in this particular passage, um, it's stewardship season for the church in Corinth, just like it is for us here. And so Paul is talking about money. And he knows that the topic of money can be a little bit touchy. And so he wants to encourage the church in Corinth because they're preparing to take up the collection when Paul arrives in a few weeks. And Paul gives some pastoral advice to the church in Corinth that I think is really, really good. He tells them that each of you must give as you have made up your minds. Give as you have made up your minds, not out of reluctance and not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think Paul hits the right balance here, a balance that we want to strike when we talk about generosity here at Aldersgate, because Paul doesn't guilt his people. He doesn't coerce them, and he doesn't compel them to give more than they can. There's a pastoral sensibility to this. 
but he also invites them to more than just passive generosity. He invites them and encourages them to an active spiritual practice that takes the time to prayerfully ask the question, what does generosity look like for me right now? What does it look like to make up my mind and decide that part of what I have is meant to go back to what God is doing and blessing in the world? He encourages them to make a choice, not under compulsion, not out of reluctance, and definitely not out of guilt, but because God is honored and we are transformed when we give with a free and a cheerful heart. It's not so much about the size of our gift that matters to God, I really believe it, but it's whether we see our giving as an intentional faith decision. A choice that we make with a willing and a cheerful spirit to prioritize part of what we have for what God's doing. What's amazing about Jan Chenard, in my perspective, is not that he gave three billion dollars, but that a man with three billion dollars made up his mind to be that generous. These are the kinds of choices that change the world, not because of the size of the gift, but because the choice changes us. When we make the choice to give to God's transformative work, we are the ones who experience transformation. Paul talks about this again in the letter when he says in verse 11 um, that you will be enriched in every way because of your generosity. Enriched in every way. Now that sounds kind of good, right? Because in a way it sounds like, hey, if I give $5, God might give me back 500 right? But we don't believe in the prosperity gospel here. That's, that's, that's not how generosity works. I'm sorry, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. What Paul is talking about is the spiritual enrichment that comes when we invite God into our hearts, invite God into our practices, invite God into our finances, and we prioritize what we have with our values. This is what Jan did, and this is what God invites us to do. Early next week, um, we'll be sending out a letter um, if you've been around here for a while and we have a mailing address for you, we'll be sending you a pledge card in the mail. Uh, and along with that pledge card, it will be a, a letter from the pastors. Um, and, and in closing, I would just like to share with you two hopes that I have for each of us as uh, those cards hit your mailboxes, okay? The first hope that I have for all of us is that you please don't throw the letter away when you see it. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. But my second hope is that you would open the letter and you would notice that the pastors are encouraging each and every one of us to take that pledge card that we send you and spend five minutes in prayer asking God what faithful generosity looks like for you for 2023. Just five minutes. I know we all have busy schedules, but five minutes. If you live with other people or you have kids, do this with them. Take that card, put your hand on it, and ask what does it mean to make up our mind this year what generosity 
looks like. We believe that prayerfully considering what God is calling each of us to give back to the transforming work of God in the world will help our stewardship decisions be transformative for us and be reflective of our discipleship. At the end of the day, friends, this is what this campaign is all about. This is what financial stewardship is all about. It's not just about making the budget, although that's helpful. It's about us making the intentional choice to be part of what God is doing and to allow the practice of giving transform us as we experience the gift of generosity. If you've never pledged to Aldersgate before, perhaps you are newer around here or you've been engaged in uh, passive uh, generosity for a while, I want to encourage you to consider making a pledge this year. It's not only helpful for the finance team, but I think it is truly helpful for us because when we make that choice and that intentional commitment to give, we're making that commitment to be generous. And God honors that and does something with that. We do not all have a $3 billion company to give away, but God does call us to be generous with what we have. And I hope if you hear nothing else, you will hear this. That whether you decide to give $5 or $5,000, let it be the result of an intentional choice. May it be the result of, as Paul says, you making up your mind to give not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, not out of reluctance, but out of a cheerful heart that wants to say, thank you, God. This is how I want to respond and partner with what you are doing. Friends, if we do that, if we give in this way, I think we'll find that we too will be transformed into ever more generous and faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen.
I invite you to find a posture that feels both holy and comfortable for you as we enter into this time of prayer. There are flowers on the altar in honor of Jack Thomas and Dennis Morris. Please be in prayer for both of their families. Let us go to God. Generous and merciful God, thank you for all you have given us. Give us hearts of appreciation. Give us hearts of generosity. Give us hearts that seek abundance, that seek to give, that are quick to offer what we can in the service of others and the service of your body, the church. God, sometimes it's hard to be generous. We're taught to hoard and protect our resources. We're told we don't know what's around the corner and we need to be ready. And while being prepared and having a safety net is important, so is abundance. So is living generously and sharing generously with our siblings in Christ who are in need. Give us these grateful hearts. Heal us of our selfishness. Heal us of our greed. God, as a community of faith, we pray for these people. Ken Schnur, Aaron McMillan, Seth Cox, the family of Matt Cuttingham, the family of Donna Dickerson, Antonio Arambaru, Dale Hammond, Ashburn. We pray for safety of everyone who is trick-or-treating today and tomorrow. We pray that they have lots of fun. We pray for people who are hurt, injured, and lost loved ones in Seoul, South Korea. And now, as siblings in Christ, with one voice, let us pray the prayer that Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand if you are able as we sing our last hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. If you are looking for a way to practice uh, generosity today, I have an idea for you. Come to Trunk or Treat tonight and you can share all of your candy with me. I uh, am going to be at the trunk with the backpacking tent. Come by and share anything you want with me. I like Twix especially, so hope to see some of you there. Um, in all honesty, though, I was just uh, reminded that Cynthia is looking for some volunteers to help with tonight. Um, so there are some spots that need to be filled. And so uh, if, if you are planning on coming tonight or if you hadn't planned yet but have some time, uh, visit the uh, table down here on the left um, and consider uh, signing up. Again, this is a huge event here. We will expect probably 1,500 folks to come by, if not more. And so in a lot of ways, this is an all-hands-on-deck um, event. And so I encourage you, uh, consider signing up to help with that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but as you go from this place, uh, I pray that you would go with the generosity of God on your hearts. 
May you go as people who have made up your minds, as Paul says, to be generous in all your ways, to be generous to lo- with the love that you have received, to share that with everyone you meet and every place you go, that this world would know that God is for them. Go from this place in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to love and to serve. Amen.